Hi everyone, welcome to another exciting edition, a, by the time this comes out, a New Year's edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. Delighted to be talking on this episode with creator, artist, visionary, Mark Stafford. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Mark, thank you for jumping in and taking some time uh, during the holiday season. Uh, no problem. That, you know, it's, it's day after Boxing Day, so... You're looking at a man who's subsisting entirely on mold cider and oranges. Um, ah, love it, love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if they contain all the nutrients a man needs, but I'm trying, goddammit. <laughs> There's at least lots of vitamin C in there somewhere. <laughs> um, well, well, thanks for jumping in. And um, usually I start by naming a couple of works. You've collaborated uh, pretty extensively with a person by the name of David Hine. I believe, yes. yeah, on yeah. Uh, books like Bad, Bad Place and my favorite, The Man Who Smiles. The Man um, Who Laughs. Laughs, sorry. Yeah. I knew I was going to mess that up. I knew. <laughs> I, I knew. Uh, the Man Who Laughs. And uh, you also have a collection of your works that's come out in the past year, Salmonella mm. Smorgasbord. Salmonella Smorgasbord. Yeah. Yes. Great to say. 20 years <laughs> ago, I did a small press book uh, collecting, well, with the help of a couple of friends. Uh, collecting everything I'd done up until that point, which all short strips, and that was called Botulism Banquet. <laughs> so I joked at the time that, oh, in the future we're going to do another collection, and that one's going to be called Salmonella Smorgasbord. And then the time came to do another collection, and I thought, well, shall I follow through on this <laughs> joke? Not especially fantastic thing, but yes, that's... Uh, yeah, I mean, the other collaborator I worked with is, uh, would be Brian Talbot, would be before David Hine. So, yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what's kind of connected you to the visual comics and illustrating and uh, those sort of things? Uh, kind of difficult to say. Oh, the, the, when I worked, I, I work occasionally at the Cartoon Museum. And normally there's uh, the question says, you know, like, when did you become, you know, when did you start drawing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And my answer was always, when did you stop? Because uh -huh. all kids draw and whatever. You know, I, I lived in a house. Um, my dad was a joiner. My mom did occasional bits of painting, but she also like grew her own vegetables, made her own wine, made her own bread. Oh, we wow. had a house full of books. Um, she did occasional bits of painting and whatever. And it was just um, that kind of thing was in the air it wasn't something that was criticized it was something that was praised mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh yeah very much at school where people were like oh my god kid can draw i remember you know like if you could do a fair impression of i don't know if you know the cartoonist leo baxendale mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, british humor cartoonist but if you could do a fair impression of him when you were like i don't know six or seven years old like everybody in the class was like oh my god <laughs> so I guess that got encouraged, uh, yeah. but um, you know, the whole visual world and the whole kind of storytelling thing was just kind of in the air and never got discouraged, which I think is the main thing. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, um, curious about the kinds of stories that draw you in because I know um, the, there's a particular style. There's a particular um, sort of feeling from your work hmm. um, so I'm, I'm curious about that well 
I mean, the stories, as you've noticed, um, <laughs> tended, I mean, the ones I come up with myself, I mean, obviously with Day Fine, those are graphic novels, you know, Lip Hook, um, Bad, Bad Place, and um, uh, Victor Hugo adaptations, they're all quite sizable chunks of storytelling the stuff i come up with by myself i think the longest story in samuel smuggles board is like 24 pages yeah most of the yeah. time kind of five six pages and the little punchy things and they're kind of non-secateurs or little kind of almost like stand-up routines or amusing ideas that i've kind of played through um generally i uh, i like i mean like we subtitled lip hook um a tale of rural unease mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i like unease. i like i mean I'm, most of my stuff looks kind of like it's it's expressionistic looks kind of humor cartoony except kind of creepy uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> somewhere somewhere on an axis if you're drawing a graph between funny and creepy is generally where i kind of hit um i'm absolutely not interested in stories about people who they're you know he's the best he is at what he does. Um, right, I, right. I don't like stories about, uh, I, I find stories about heroes and chosen ones and mm -hmm, epic mm -hmm. people who impose themselves on the world. I I, I, I hate all those people. They're, um, they're awful. So I, I like stories about um, schlubs who yeah. find themselves in weird circumstances and, and, and either prevail or don't prevail or whatever and I, I like all those stories of people on the fringes and um that's kind of my area my, my messy i guess if you know it's yeah it, exploring the everyday but with creepy overtones yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, or, or like taking that. something that's kind of mundane and giving like that the first one of the first stories in Salmonella Smuggler's board that I put there is a conversation essentially between two businessmen over an office dispute, except it's two kaiju monsters attacking a city. <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's that kind of uh, collision between these two uh, yeah. worlds. Yeah. I, I love that intersection. Love that. And I, I love a good four or five page uh, comics short story vignette. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that you can pick up and enjoy. Yeah, there's very few places for them to be anymore. I bet definitely when I was like kind of 20 ish and kind of finding my way in the comics industry, there was loads of anthologies around. And the mm -hmm. best, and, and a lot of the cartoonists I really like, the like the Dan Clowes and whatever, they were bringing out their own little comic, which was a collection of short pieces. It was anything that came into there heads well you know some of which will be a con um a, a continuing story which would then become a graphic novel or whatever mm -hmm. but it was it was that great thing of like well if i've got a two-page idea i can do a two-page thing i've got one image i can use that as a front or back cover you know you could use all the weird little ideas you had in a million different formats i don't think there's a lot of that around these days they're definitely not paying mm -hmm. so it's kind of a different you know i've i've at the moment, I'm doing a couple of stories, you know, one for an, uh, an anthology, a British anthology called Headache. And I'm thinking of doing one for a um, European magazine because I had an offer. Um, and it's really nice to be asked to do yeah. like, little bits for anthologies uh, because there's not that many around. Um, 
and it doesn't sit good. Like essentially, people these days seem to be asked to go from essentially drawing their first kind of small press and self-published stuff, where they've done twenty pages, and they go, "This is great. Now, can you do a two hundred page graphic novel?" <laughs> right. Like, right off the back of that, and there used to be a ramp up to that. You know, yeah, used to be able to get a bit of um. Uh, experience doing slightly longer and slightly longer stories or John some other point of team but definitely on the uh, the independent um, you know like the small press level of things there's no training ground there's no apprenticeships anymore there's just you know your first story and then you know your book with Jonathan Cape (laughs) off to the marathon (laughs) yeah straight away yeah yeah. Mind those hamstrings, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, curious about the experience of adapting something like Victor Hugo or Lovecraft or something like mm-hmm. that um, versus sort of bringing your own story and um, your own okay. kind of pieces together. Well, a lot of that obviously is Dave Hine. Um, in the case of the Victor Hugo. I mean, I don't know if you've read the original Man Who Laughs, but it's about, yeah, it's it's a big beast. It's a huge, thick novel of which, you know, say it's like 500 pages and um, of which about 200 pages is the story. <laughs> and the rest of it is a rant he was doing about the, um, oh, the iniquities of the 99% and the 1% and the disgraceful behaviour of the ruling classes. And, you know, like there was all this stuff he had to get out of his head because he was living in exile on Guernsey at the time and fallen out of favour in his own country. So what Dave did was filleted it back to the original story and decided on what was important, which is really quite difficult in places, which is why we actually ended up having to come up with a couple of scenes because... He's, uh, you know, a 19th century romantic novelist. And there's a lot of tell, don't show, if you know what I mean, in his mm-hmm, thoughts. Mm-hmm. He will he will go on for about five or six pages about the nature of the love between Gwynplaine and Dea, but he won't. none of that will be a scene with them saying stuff to each other in a location or anything like that. So then you go, well, that's not a scene, and you have to leave it out, but you've left out an important part of the book right right so we had to create a scene where Gwynplaine's uh uh experiences like the disgust other people feel for him and the disgust he feels for himself you know Gwynplaine's the lead character of the book who's been scarred since he was a child so that he's he's got the permanent grin on his face um he's the reason the Joker in the Batman looks like Joker um um and so we had to create a scene for that bit. Um, and uh, I loved doing The Man Who Lost because it was the first time after Cherubs, which I did based on Brian Talbot's layouts. Mm-hmm. This was the one where I was free to do my own kind of storytelling and page layouts. And I just I, I, I absolutely adored it and kind of, okay, is this a... You know, doing this this page is all going to be vertical things and this page is all going to be horizontal things and whatever. And moving the character in a diagonal from the, you know, top left-hand corner to the bottom right-hand corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all that kind of visual things to emphasise um, 
the character's mood or progress or whatever. All of this stuff, which is like unsubtle visual metaphors of what yeah. their mental state is. They are heading down, you know, this kind mm. of deal, whatever. Uh, so, yes, um, and, and the end of the book visually, which hopefully will tug on people's heartstrings, is, in t- is pretty much our creation, I think. that The book doesn't end like that. And we, and I, the events happen, but the visual thing we do, it's like I think that was a bit of wrangling between me and Dave over how the hell we were going to do that, and I give mm-hmm. them ideas, and we like, knock stuff backwards and forwards. So very happy with that. Obviously, the Lovecraft thing, the main problem was that we were doing the colour out of space, which is all about a colour that does not exist in the human spectrum, and we right. didn't even colour, <laughs> which, which is entirely a foolish endeavour. And I just, I, so that was his own, you know, kind of challenge. Um, our own stuff is obviously just a lot easier to do. Um, you know, it's not. It's not a case of like sort of Dave saying, I've got an idea uh-huh. and just giving me a whole full script from beginning to end. What's normally happened is that we've chatted a lot, we've been to the pub together, we've um I've sent him articles about weird stuff just because I think he'll find it interesting, or we've swapped links to weird movies we found or something or whatever. He's had a look through my sketchbooks and whatever. And at some point it will go like sort of you know, what would you like to do? What kind of story would you like to tell? And I might have a silly, an idea which would be okay for one of my strips and end after about 12 pages. Mm-hmm. But he can, like, take the basis of that and spin that out into something more elaborate and um, satisfying. So, for example, The Bad Bad Place, he was going, have you got, a, like, an idea for a story? And I had this really stupid idea, which is that, you know, I'm, I'm in Britain, we have this phenomenon of new towns. Mm-hmm. The council, there's a place called Milton Keynes, for example, where there wasn't a, 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 any kind of conurbation there before. And then they built a, from scratch, they built a town where they thought there should be a town. And everything's fresh built and everything's new and whatever. And then everybody kind of takes the piss out of it because it feels and soulless and what it's got no history it's got no whatever so he was thought i was talking about what if they built a new town and it's being criticized for all the normal reasons and then they get in some kind of guru you know like so well how do we stop all this criticism how do we make this new town feel to everybody like a proper town with history and the guru guy goes yeah well what you need is to have a guy in the high street ranting about the apocalypse and you need, you know, you've got a canal and nobody's thrown any shopping trolleys in the canal. You need to sort that out right away. Uh-huh. And what you really, really need for a new town, for any town to be a proper town, is a creepy house on the outskirts of town where something bad once happened. <laughs> and I, I, I just said that this today. And then he comes back with the bad, bad place, which is about a new town, and a creepy house appears on the edge of town. (laughs) And nobody quite knows what the house is about, and it draws people towards it and gives them their heart's desire and whatever. But what's weird is that all the little bits of that that dumb story I said do end up in the story, the the ranty guy on the high street. 
Actually, the shopping trolleys end up in Lip Hook, which is an entirely different book we were doing at the same time. <laughs> These things tend to, you know. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. So it's a truly collaborative kind of process. But a certain stuff, you know, I will, to a certain extent, edit Dave, and Dave will, to a certain extent, edit me, where mm -hmm. he look at my half-finished works and go, like, this would be better if, and whatever. <laughs> and I'm going... I think that line is too much. Um, that, <laughs> yeah. So for what it's worth, that's what it was. And um, the collaboration with Brian Talbot was just basically like, these are his layouts. I'm racing through them. And he gave me various bits to do. But um, essentially it was like boot camp. You know, Brian Talbot's a, an amazing creator, you know, one of the, the creator of Luther Arkwright and a whole bunch of stuff who was like right there all the beginning, all the way through British underground comics and whatever. He knows what he's doing. He's won Costa Awards. You know, he's won, you know, like all this other stuff. So when he said to do a comic and it was going to be like 100 odd pages, and the longest thing I'd done at that time was about six pages or whatever, I said, do you want me to do the layout? So I was like, yes, please. Um, and so it was like, you know, it was, it was a kind of harsh training ground where you suddenly go, oh, okay, he's indicating where the eye levels are in panels. He's, you know, like, these are where the speech balloon should be. This is where this, you know, like, our emphasis should be on this and whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, absolute invaluable kind of training, you know, like a, like an apprenticeship. Yeah. Very much like an, like an internship in that I didn't get paid for it. <laughs> it was a back-end deal that none of us made any money off that one but it's experience you know amazing yeah, yeah. yeah. But i loved what you were saying there about the visual metaphors because i think a lot of that gets taken for granted and it sort of hits somewhere for a reader mm. but uh, unless you're sort of tuned in and reading for that you mm. might not even necessarily notice it um, but it works really well well, I hope you don't to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. A lot of that stuff should be like, um, I don't know, like a good bass player on a record. You don't necessarily immediately pick up, hey, that's the bass line. It's like, um, yeah, yeah, it adds to stuff. Um, yeah, I've, I've got to, I'm a sucker for that stuff. There was that movie that the, the Erzats kind of fake silent movie, The Artist, came out uh -huh, uh -huh. on the Oscar, and that thing's entirely full of sequences where like, um, the, the upcoming actress is walking up the stairs and she meets the old actor and he's walking down the stairs and whatever. And I heard a load of critics going, oh, it's really, you know, terrible. They're doing all this, unsub you know, like, oh, my God, it's so heavy-handed. I love that. I just absolutely, I was like, oh, God, give me a break. You know, come on. <laughs> this stuff is gorgeous. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, and you were talking about the creative kind of conversation with David Hine and uh, Brian Talbot and how that it comes together. And I yeah. love that idea of like, it's not necessarily the the way that I've heard of other creators where it's like, here's the script, they email it to you. Yeah. Um, I like that kind of conversation at the pub approach that you take. Yeah. Well, there's um recently I did a couple of bits of small press. There's something. There's a couple of these pocket chillers through, oh, um, uh -huh. and the collaboration with Douglas Noble. Um, and basically, what that was was I finished a sketchbook, a little 
A6 sketchbook I've been carrying around for, I don't know, about eight, ten years or something, doing a like weird little developed picture on every page. And I just posted it to him. And then he just scanned the entire thing and took all the bits he wanted and turned that into a story. Like, he did his own colouring and his own shaping and, and whatever. And then... At the end of it, he said, actually, um, you know, in order for this to make sense, I need one picture of a man in a rowing boat. And I went, okay, I can do that. But that's the only <laughs> thing he actually asked me to draw. And then um, I finished another sketchbook and posted that to him, and we did it again. <laughs> so that, easily the easiest collaboration I've ever done, in that all of my work was basically done by sticking a sketchbook into a post box. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, well, I think I have one more official question, and then we can hit anything that we missed. And I'll also compliment your your mug, by the way. I've been noticing <laughs> your mug. Um, oh, this is a Christmas um uh, thing from my sister. Yeah, you were talking <laughs> about the man who laughs, and so I was like, oh, there's there's a connection right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and I got it right. I didn't say smiles. I knew I was going to do that. Um. <laughs> curious about the work that you're currently kind of circling around anything that you can talk about in that arena and then i also like to ask about where people can follow along to find out what you're working on at the moment i'm drawing odds and sods i'm going to do i'm doing a poster for a turnaround books party um story-wise like i said i'm doing a, a very slow it's taken me ages to pull the, get the lead out on this story for Headache magazine, which is going to be about six pages long, and it's going to be an old man shaking his fist at clouds, essentially. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do for that European magazine. I'll see what I come up with. These are all short stories. The main one that needs to happen, I'm I'm going to do Douglas Nobles, uh, come up with an actual script that I need to draw, um, that he's working on this at the moment. He's a very busy man. Um, so I'll see what happens with that one, but that will be a kind of standalone, very short, uh, not very short, but you know, but it won't be hundreds of pages. It will be about 60 odd pages, I think, or 40 uh, thing, putatively at the moment called The Guest, whether that title will happen or not. The main thing um, I want, me and Dave Heim want to do another book and we've got it all planned. We've done actually done 10 pages of it. Nice. But, nice. Uh, we need kind of arts council funding to, you know, survive, well, for what for me to survive doing, you know, because that would be uh, longer than what anything we've done before, uh, at about 200 pages, I think. So that's nice. going to take a couple of years at least, um, I think, work. Um, other than that, little bits with Shelley Bond, again, probably. Okay. Probably, yeah. yeah. I've done I've done two stories with her, and uh, which are really fun to do because she's so kind of pop culture orientated. She's happy with anybody you can do a decent picture of Joe Strummer. I'm not claiming <laughs> that my pictures of Joe Strummer are any good, but she's <laughs> that heap to pass muster. So I, I'll happily do anything with her again. <sighs> I mean, last year I I managed to curate a, a gallery show called All About the Ink. The posters over there. Yes, yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um. I'd love to do something like that again before that gallery uh, loses its lease. Mm -hmm. but, um, we shall see. Uh, anyway, um, if you want to know about any of this, I do have a website, but it's always it, it's in no state. It, it's just at the moment, it's just a landing page 
telling you where my Etsy shop is. But I am uh, Mark Stafford, M-A-R-X-T-A-F-F-O-R-D on Instagram, and I'm still calling it Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm Blue Sky, I think. Um, I'm on Facebook. And whatever. The main thing for visually to check me out with is generally my Instagram feed. That's where I put like new bits of artwork. Nice. Yeah. Fairly to get hold of. And of course, um, if you want, uh, Salmonella Smorgasbord is available from all good. I think it's all available from all the digital platforms. Mm-hmm. In fact, I looked it up and it was like going, it was on the Walmart website. <laughs> well, sorry. there you go. Well, you know, I was hey? I've no idea. Oh, yeah, because this is John Anderson's publishing concern, Soaring Penguin, and he's based in Canada, so he's a bit more that way inclined than I am. So, you know, um, they're all, all good bookshops, and um, all of our stuff through Self Made Hero, the uh, other two books, Lip Hook and The Man Who Laughs, are still available from that particular publisher. Um, yes, all good stuff. All good stuff. All good stuff. Well, well, thank you so much for talking with me. Um, anything that we've missed that you want to make sure to share before we close out? I can't think of anything at the moment. I will, of course, think of it in about ten minutes' time and curse <laughs> myself in the kitchen as I go you, you back. Can, as I go back to the mold side, <laughs> you, you can you can zoom selfie and sort of let me know, and then I'll tag it in. <laughs> Well, well, thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. And uh, wishing you a productive 2024 uh, and looking forward to all the work that is to come. Cheers. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. A pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye.